This is the G Podcast with your host, Tommy B. Welcome to episode 210 of This is the G Podcast. I'm Tommy B. Each week we do news, politics, pop culture, the piping hot tea from the one and only Tanya B. And Vi joins me this week uh, with a very special guest, one of the original members of the band Slave, Thomas Lockett. But before we get into it, let's do the weekend news with Syracuse Mike. News team, assemble! For the week in news with Syracuse Mike. He's out. If there was anything I could do to produce a favorable outcome, more campaign stops, more interviews, I would do it. But I can't ask our supporters to volunteer their time and donate their resources if we don't have a clear path to victory. That's Florida Governor Ron DeSantis announcing he was dropping out of the race for president and endorsing Donald Trump after saying it's clear voters want to give Trump another chance. Nikki Haley, the only remaining candidate challenging Trump, was in New Hampshire when the news broke. It's now one fella and one lady left. Haley saying about the race is only one fella and one woman left. Jazz blues and soul singer Marlena Shaw has died. Shaw began her singing career in the 1960s and continued to perform in recent years. Her song, California Soul, has been sampled by many artists. Years later, in the 1970s, she released her version of Go Away, Little Boy, which got some R&B radio play. Go away, little boy. Marlena Shaw was 81. Why don't you just go away, little boy? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s youngest son, Dexter King, has died. His death comes one week after what would have been his father's 95th birthday. Dexter King was just 62 years old and had been battling prostate cancer. His wife said her husband of 11 years died in his sleep in their Malibu home. King's siblings also released brief statements. Martin Luther King III said the sudden shock is devastating. It's hard to have the right words at a moment like this. He asked the public to keep his family in their prayers. Sister Bernice King said, words cannot express the heartbreak I feel from losing another sibling. Yolanda King, the eldest of the King children, died suddenly in 2007. In sports, the Atlanta Falcons have found their man. L.A. Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris has been hired as the new head coach. His name should sound familiar because he was part of Dan Quinn's coaching staff. Not counting his interim stint after Quinn was fired, Morris becomes the Falcons' first full-time black head coach. He replaces Arthur Smith, who was let go following another 7-10 season. And in another Falcon shakeup, CEO Rich McKay is no longer involved in the day-to-day football operations. A New York City jury has awarded $83 million to author E. Jean Carroll in her defamation suit against former President Donald Trump. Not long after that decision was announced, Trump posted on Truth Social that it was absolutely ridiculous and said he would be filing an appeal. All right, thanks, Mike, for the headlines, man. Uh, Vi's here and very special guest, man. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this, Vi, man. I, I, you know. But you going to start crying. <laughs> hey, you know you know my love for music, man. You know, you know when I talk about some of these bands, man, you know, it just brings out the memories. So you know how it is. But, uh, man, very excited to have uh, Thomas Lockett, the legendary funk band slave. And I got to give it. Let me let me let me try to give it up. Give him some juice. Yes. If I found out he's close, kind of like my neighbor, <laughs> like Shirley Jones. I, 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 you know, I had no clue when when we connected. I said, "What you know? What time zone you on?" He said, "You in Georgia, right?" 
<laughs> so, you know, uh, glad you had the opportunity, took the time to come on, uh, TL. Thank you, sir. All right. I'm glad to be here. Hey, man. And, and we got a lot to get into. I'm just going to jump right into it. Um, but if you lived under a rock, listen, and you listen to this podcast, I'm just going to reacquaint you with one of the, I, I, I call it the finest era, era in black music or one of the finest eras in, in black music. And I'll, I'll tell you why, but let me go ahead and, and play these clips. Here we go. That's one. And. Mm. You could you could tell I used to do air bass, to you. <laughs> so, and, and, and gotta play this one. Oh yes, and this was kind of uh, post Thomas Lockett, right? This one I'm gonna play it. Yes, and 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 this is your your time with R, uh, because you left Slave to go to R. So that bass line. Why you remember that? Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Man, give I it up one more time, man. I got to give it up one more time. <laughs> Thomas Lockett is in the building. And, and you know, as first-time guests, you always got to get that too, man. But, but I refer to this. This is uh, a lot of people refer to it officially as the post-disco era. Mm -hmm. um, coming out of disco. Now, a lot of black people never got into disco, but, you know, they call it the post-disco era. One of, one of the big things, and uh, because I spent time in radio, uh, you guys had the benefit of FM radio because a lot of black stations prior to disco were on AM. And when the disco stations came up, start popping up, then disco died. <laughs> you know, the white people who owned the FM said, what are we going to do with these FM stations? So then they, they took the hybrid and made it what they call urban radio. So, you know, you, you guys like it when the 79, 80, 78, it was the perfect time because, you know, I grew up listening. If you grew up and, and I'm sure you did too, uh, in Dayton early, it was the AM station. The black stations were all on AM. Right. But when you heard this music on FM, oh man. So that's why I think it resonates so much because you you hear it in the car. I just remember being in the car, played high school basketball, by you played high school football after the game or on the way to a game. Man, slave was just huge. So so we appreciate it, man. So let's talk about the past. Um talk about the how long or how long did you know the guys from Slave in Dayton? What they age? are um, two guys that I have only known from like second grade. So that was me, Floyd Miller, and Mark Adams. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we all live within, I could walk to uh, Mark Adams and Floyd's in like five minutes, or you know, right around the corner. Mark Adams and Floyd lived directly across the street from each other. So we started playing in the school band. I started on clarinet, and uh, uh, Floyd was, you know, definitely on uh, trombone from day one. And Mark Adams, um, I don't know when he actually started playing in general because he wasn't in the school band because we didn't have guitars and stuff in the school band. So uh, he actually started playing um, rhythm guitar. He didn't start on bass. And then when we started forming uh, the first band that we wanted to do, uh, which was the Young Mystics, um, we already had a guitar player. His name was um, uh, Butler. And um, Mark switched to bass. And once he switched to bass, we didn't see him without the bass. <laughs> we did not see him without the bass. Yeah. That's the bass player, man. Yeah. Yeah. But but when when and as you guys started to form this, is it the, I guess the legendary or your playing and talent shows? How did how did you get discovered? And I mean, first of all, Dayton was already famous for music at the time. Am I yeah. correct? Yes, we um, we had the benefit when we met Steve Washington. Steve Washington was from New Jersey, East Orange. Mm-hmm. And um, I didn't know Steve Washington. He had already come to Dayton probably about a year before. And he knew Drac from being in a uh, music program. Uh, the school there was Colonel White. So Drac started trying to uh, leave the group that he was with. He was with Steve Washington. Of course, Steve Washington at the time was living with Pee Wee, the trumpet player for the Ohio Players. He's living with Pee Wee, hmm. okay? So uh, I kind of knew Drac, didn't know Drac really. Uh, I'd seen him a couple of times. Come to find out, he was a very close cousin of mine. Wow. <laughs> didn't even know that, okay? So um, Drac came over to our rehearsal and I, I thought he was coming in to maybe try to you know, start playing with us. But what we didn't know, he was interviewing, trying to get us to come with him. <laughs> so we met over at uh, Tim Dozier's parents' house on um, October 5th, 1975. Hmm. And um, it was over. We kind of immediately knew it was, it was, let me see, it was me, Floyd, Mark Adams, Steve Washington, Drac. And of course, he was over at Tim's house. Tim's, Tim's parents' house. So we met that day. And it was about a day or two later that we took Steve Washington back to where he was living, which was Pee Wee's house, the players. Wow. Dude, we're in um, the 11th grade. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So, you know, I, I go into Pee Wee's house and I see all the gold platinum albums and I'm like, oh, this is what we got to do. We didn't get any help from the players, which was a blessing. Nothing against them. Because, I mean, they were in their heyday. They were, you know, in town today, Europe the next day. They were doing their thing. So, of course, why would they think that some 15, 16, 17-year-old kids were ready to 
attack the music industry. They had no, you know, real thought of that happening. You know, we, we kept waiting for them to come over to our practice spot. They never showed. And uh, we just worked harder. And, you know, that's how we got started. What was the biggest pickup uh, from the uh, exposure to the to the players? What was the biggest thing takeaway for you? Um, we were in awe. You have to keep in mind, you know, the players were like 10, 15 years older, maybe even maybe some of them even 20 years older. And uh, we had never seen them outperforming because when they were outperforming, we were still 12, 13, 14 years old. We couldn't go to where they performed. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was just, you know, being in awe, but it was, it was a realization that because of Stevie, because he was going out with them at times doing stuff for the road crew and stuff, and he was a trumpet player, of course. Mm -hmm. We knew that if we listened to this guy, we had an opportunity. And so that's what kind of sparked us to just, you know, phase out everything else. And see, keep in mind, that age, we, we you know, we weren't in love. Um, we didn't have any, you know, need to pay no bills. All we did, we got out of school, and went to rehearsal. Wow, wow. So, so when when you first started, and and every band has the personalities who rise to the top. They're the ones that rise. You know, you got a band, and and you know, it's just like a team. You got to have role players. Yeah. Uh, everybody plays a role. Who, from a personality standpoint, was it Drac that that kind of rose? Because in Slide, he even you know mentions, "Hey, my name is Drac." You know. What personalities within the band started to rise as you guys became famous? Definitely Drac and Adams. Um, Drac was a sleeper as far as the depth of what he did for us. Mm -hmm. Mark Adams was just, and he was still in, in his beginning stage of becoming the beast that he became. But whenever Drac would do a solo, we all knew to just stand there and watch because it's hard to explain seeing someone do what he did. And what a lot of people don't realize is the night before we went into the studio was when we came up with Slide. We didn't have Slide. The wow. night before we went into the studio, maybe it could have been two nights, is when we got Slide. The only thing that we did was rehearse to write songs. We did rehearse to play shows. Mm -hmm. We did one show before we went and recorded. And that was on April 1st, April Fool's Day at uh, at the time uh, high school, at the time it was called Roth. Mm -hmm. Roth so we did one show. Other than that, we only got together to rehearse to write material. So back in the day, you guys are getting started. And what's the year? What kind of window? 1975. Okay, 75. Uh, you've got definitely <clears throat> the players. The players are there. Okay. Lakeside really hadn't come about yet. No, they hadn't come up yet. Okay. Uh, I don't think Zap, well, definitely Zap was not there. Um, what I remember the funk bands, I think maybe SOS Brick kind of they started to have, emerge. Yeah. We were so young. You didn't know. No. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you hit big, you started to see these groups emerge. Now, Lakeside is also from Dayton. What was yeah. the what was your connection with Lake, Lakeside? Actually, not that much. Mm -hmm. um, 
we were so much younger. Yeah, yeah. And so much unproven because remember, we didn't do any live performances. Yeah, yeah. You know, we went from high school to Carter Bradley's house on Horse Avenue to New Jersey to record deal. Yeah. Within a year. Which is unheard of. Yeah, so true. So, okay. Behind the music. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who started acting the ass first, man? Who who just you know you you, st you started? You know we how fought, it is. Who we fought for top ass. <laughs> <laughs> Which was one of the, the most big, annoying. Oh, most most annoying. <laughs> Adams. Adams was a prankster. Yeah. Uh, mostly Adams. I mean, and and see Drac, which by the way. Drac did not become Drac hmm. until we had recorded Sly. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. the name got out there. People, yeah. yeah I mean, Mark, it was Mark Hicks, which was Drac. Mm -hmm. And Mark Adams, of course, was, you know, Mark Adams, the bass player. Yeah. So yeah. when we were recording Sly, and, and let me just go back to this. Okay. We didn't have Sly. We had recorded, uh, no, we had rehearsed these songs. Mm-hmm call ourselves writing these songs and we convinced Stevie had convinced uh, his name was Jeff Dixon who was a program director for WNJR radio station mm -hmm. in New Jersey to invest into us and um, he saw us perform live which was but he saw something and of course Jeff Dixon knowing what was going on in Dayton he was beginning to understand what was coming out of Dayton and so he invested 14000 he, uh, we, we drove in Tim Doge's van, cargo van, nine <laughs> Negroes in a cargo van from Dayton, Ohio to New Jersey. No seats. <laughs> no seats, dude. Oh my goodness. That's back in the day. Oh, That's what I'm like riding okay. the back of a truck with no seat belts. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, and there were still some people that had the imprints from that floor on their, you know, on their face. So we, uh, we did one show in New Jersey with um, at Weekway Park. Okay. Uh, Luther, who at the time was with uh, Change. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's when we knew it was like, man, this dude, you know. But we didn't know. I mean, he he really hadn't broke loose yet. So, so you did, saw them. You saw them in concert. Or this we was... played with them. Wow. In the park. That was the second show that we did. And really, that was it. We did two shows. We did Roth High School, April 1st. Wow. And then we played with Luther, but he wasn't Luther yet. He was yeah. in change. And uh, it, was, it was an outdoor concert. And uh, that was it. So when Jeff Dixon saw us perform, he knew that something was there. And uh, he invested. So we, so, we, so we rehearsed all these songs. All the songs that were on the album, the first album, mm -hmm. except for Slide. We had practice, come up with the parts, the, the, the vocals, the lyrics. Um, we go back to New Jersey. <clears throat> we were at Steve Washington's parents' house, North Maple Avenue. And me and Floyd was upstairs. We had had a little bit too much yak, you know. <laughs> yeah. We mm. fell asleep. And also we hear this 
And we kind of, me and Fred Walker, we was like, man, what is that? Yeah. And we go downstairs and that was, that was our, that was it. That was our break. Yeah. So I think we even delayed going in one day because we knew that we needed this particular track. So we go into the studio. It was the first thing that we recorded. And the reason why you feel that way about Slide, it was one take. Wow. The drums, the guitars, Drax solo. Everything as far as the rhythm section was one take. And that was the best thing that I'll be honest with you, that was the best thing that we ever did was the first thing that we did. You know, and, so, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it, it's still influential. You know, yes. uh cameo. Redid it. Uh, and they how did many? A job. Yeah, they did. Of, of all the folks who tried to redo it, yeah, cameo is is probably the most authentic. Yeah, yeah. they did a good they, job. Who else has done slide? Who else has tried to, or at least ripped it off, or I say rip it off, but at well, least sampled it? Hey, yeah, please rip us off some more. Hey, <laughs> 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 but how many how um, many folks have done it? I mean, cameo was the only one that that actually redid it to do slide. There were some people who sampled. I'm trying to think. What was the, the uh, uh, female singing group who took the, the music part? Um, yeah, I got it. That, because it didn't really go anywhere. You know, okay. Capitol's version did get some airplay and stuff. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. most of the sampling for us was Just a Touch of Love and Watching You. And I got it. Let's move to Just a Touch of Love. Uh, probably my favorite. I like them all, but, but it's my favorite. That came out in 79. Mm -hmm. And and I remember it most because that's on the verge of me getting my driver's license. So, you, you know, wow. you, you can't you can't appreciate a song until you're losing your hearing in the car. You know, <laughs> full blast. You can't you can't appreciate it. So just a touch of love, man. Um, talk about that because, and, and I'll mention this to folks who may not know. Stevie wasn't in the band. Uh, Steve Arrington wasn't part of Slaves. In the beginning. Day one. Steve Arrington, uh, the first group that me and Floyd and uh, Mark Adams was in was the Young Mystics. There were times where he, Steve Arrington uh, came in and played with us for a while. He would leave and come back. Stevie was always a free spirit. So we knew Arrington. Mm -hmm. And um, we brought Arrington in uh, as we were going into the third album. Okay. There, uh, there were some things going on personally uh, between some of us. You have to keep in mind, we were 16, 17 years old, 18 years old, but we had two members that was already in their 20s, hmm. which was Carter Bradley and Tim Dozier. So um, it wasn't a big problem, actually, but, you know, I mean, you know, we were pretty silly, you know. Yeah. So... Um, there was a, a few things going on with uh, Tim as far as um, playing. Not that he couldn't play. Tim was always one of the baddest drummers that we had ever played with. Okay, mm -hmm. no, no shade on Tim Dozier. When you listen to Slide and you when you listen to the first album, you can understand how strong Tim was. Okay, mm -hmm. so but as we started to do some shows, there started to be some personality conflicts between. You know, some of the guys and Tim as far as the playing, not personality, but as far as some of the playing things. 
And so we brought in, we asked uh, Steve Aronson to come in to actually, you know, begin to play drums. And we wanted Tim to still play drums, but we wanted him to move over to percussion more as well. And um, Tim wasn't ready for that. And who would be? Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was not too long after that that, you know, Tim Dozier left. But we brought Arrington in to do drums and he took over the band. And you know what? Honestly, I think, and you know this, that's the voice, Steve Arrington's voice, really from that point on became yeah. the identity of the band. How did, how did y'all feel about that? Um, and how did he handle that? You know, we didn't have a problem with it. We needed success. Mm-hmm. After Slide, the next album, we didn't have, you know, nowhere near this success. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, keep in mind, we're still young. We're still 18, 19 years old. We didn't have any real worry or even a thought on not having a record deal. We didn't, we didn't understand the, the industry. You know, we just knew that we, you know, still loved to play. And we were still on the radio. Now, what was ironic, though, living in East Orange, mm-hmm. We didn't have. I'm sorry about this phone. We That's didn't cool. have. Um, um, the record slide playing on the radio. It yeah. didn't play, and um, New York did not play us. And quiet as is kept. I kind of understand why. I mean, you got. Oh, this is the other thing. Keep in mind that when <clears throat> when slide came out, mm-hmm. it came out the same month that Roots, the movie series, came out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. They came out the same month. month. So, um, why would they be playing, why would New York be playing <laughs> Slave? <laughs> <laughs> but you know. Yeah. And, and you know, here's the thing. Also, if you remember, and I remember because as soon as music was released, my allowance went straight to the music store. <laughs> and, and and I walk in and I see the album and you can't see my hands if you listen to the audio with the man holding the baby like in Roots. So did y'all try to take advantage of that? Because <laughs> that's, I mean, it was because, uh, yes, you hear Slave, you think of the group, you got Roots coming out. But on that very next album, when you did Just a Touch of Love, that's the album cover. Yeah. What you have to keep in mind, too. Okay. There was a a shift. We had started to become more spiritual Hmm. with the reality of where we were. And part of that was Steve Arrington. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean that we were going to church and stuff like that. But Steve brought a whole different vibe. Mm-hmm. And he he was so locked in to when we were playing that we just knew that we wanted to be more serious. And so when we were recording that fourth album, we started singing about, you know, our blessings and all this. Mm-hmm. And we were staying true to that funk 
and mm-hmm. we recorded about three or four songs that Atlantic was like, "What is what is going on?" But you know what? I, I it's interesting when 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 Arrington went solo, and he re, he uh, he did "Dancing in the Key." Mm-hmm. "Dancing in the Key" was a very spiritual song. Yes, extremely, almost yeah. gospel. Well, Arrington stopped his career hmm. and went and went into ministry. Yeah, yeah. You know, so but, it started early. Oh yeah, yeah. But and you okay. know, the thing is, who knows when people really begin to make certain changes? It isn't like we discussed it amongst ourselves. Yeah. But the problem that we had internally was Steve Washington was trying to. Um, no, actually, we had we had taken over our production, mm-hmm. and um, that didn't go well. With uh, well, put it this way, there was concern with Atlantic Records that okay. now these nineteen twenty year olds were taking over their production mm-hmm. without Jimmy Douglas. See, Jimmy, they let they let Prince do it. <laughs> hey, but it wasn't easy for him. And let's yeah. be yeah. there was only one Prince. Yeah, it's so true. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, we were staying true to all of our funk concept, and when we turned that album in, Atlantic was like, "No, this is not what we want." We were, you know, singing about, "We thank you for all the things you've done for us," you know, and they were like, "No, we need y'all to sing about, you know, uh, screw your wig on tight and spanking that tail and all <laughs> of that." Mm-hmm. And so they flew some of the guys back up from Dayton. And uh, we went into the studio with Jimmy Douglas. Steve Washington refused to come and participate in those three songs, which was Just a Touch. And there was two other tracks that we did. So um, that was a break that uh, affected Stevie more than us because, again, Stevie had the experience that we didn't have. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Douglas, of course, he was the staff producer when we got to uh, Atlantic. So he knew what it took. And we would just get together and vibe as yeah. far as coming up with new stuff. I mean, all the, Just a Touch came up about two weeks before we recorded it. Yeah. We went right into the studio at Atlantic Studio and uh, recorded that. It's it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful song. Lyrically, um, it's, it's slick funk. You know, whereas you know, you you had your hardcore slide, uh, slide, and and you know, I was a funketeer. Of course, I was with the Bootsy Crew. I was with you know Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton. Oh, yeah. But just a touch was that you know, I always think bands have anthems. For um, Sweet Sticky Thing was the players. Oh, you know that that track that or Heaven Must Be Like This, but more so that instrumental. You know, almost right. And, for slave, I always thought it was just a touch. It's that anthem, you know, that that has a strong instrumental. But how did how did Stevie get through watching you and Snapshot? Because <laughs> it's female generate. You know what I'm saying? He, he was probably in the back of his mind, like, man, I got to sing this. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing is, but he knew he had to get a hit. So go ahead. When we first started doing vocals, yeah, you, slide. You've got three different people singing lead parts. Yeah, yeah. You had Tim Dozier, you had Floyd Miller, and, and Danny Webster. Mm-hmm. So by the time we've moved on to the second and third albums, you know, some people were, you know, having emotions and thoughts about singing and playing that 
I didn't really know about because I was a horn player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you I was a section guy. Yeah. You know, whatever was going on with them and their mentality, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't, we didn't, we didn't discuss. But when we would get into the studio and we're dealing with Jimmy Douglas, Jimmy Douglas is like, okay, uh, who's going to sing? You know, who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? And um, there were some times where Danny, uh, who had a good voice, he wasn't, he had reached a point where he didn't want to listen to Jimmy's advice. And Steve Arrington, he's sitting over there, minding his business, always vibing. And he sang something. And Jimmy said, go on in there, you know, go on in there. And that's how it happened. It wasn't like, you know, uh, wow. we had discussed this and planned it. We knew we needed to finish the album or yeah. the albums. Yeah. And Arrington was the one that would go in there and execute, start vibing. He was writing the lyrics as he was go as he was singing it. And I mean, both just a touch and um, watching you as far as the, the, the singing part for Arrington, he did right on the fly. Wow. wow. Right there in the studio, dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so let's talk about, and, and I want to move to the to the present, but before we leave the past, let's talk about why you left to go to R, what the transition, because it was you and Steve, right? Am I correct? Yes. What had actually- You and Steve Washington, yeah. Yeah, yeah. what had actually happened Stevie was reading the blueprint of Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton. We had, we started out with nine people. Then we got like 13, 14 people involved. We, we brought in some people from New Jersey, which has included Kurt Jones, Selena Young. We had a couple of the horn players that would come in here and there. And so there wasn't enough money. Now the, yeah. the flip side to this is 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 we did not tour the way we should have. Hmm. Let me repeat that. Yeah. We did not tour the way we should have. We called Steve Washington the fearless leader, and he was the fearless leader. And we followed his leadership, and we rightfully did so in many ways. But we should have been on the road. That's where everybody was. That's where everybody was. We would, the yeah. first year that we were out, we would pull up to uh, uh, a show. And we'd have this, you know, big custom coach that uh, we were renting, but uh, zapping it would pull up in a van. <laughs> Them Negroes was working, dude. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and see, that's the thing. I, I remember seeing Slay more so on what Don Kirshner. <laughs> that's, that was that's the big thing. Huh? That's all you saw. That's all I saw. <laughs> <laughs> and, and maybe, and, and Soul Train. Soul Train. Yeah, Soul Don Train. Kirshner. If you look on the back, I think it was the Stellar album where Steve yeah. even did all the album cover, you know, um, credits and everything. Yeah. I think it was the third album he wrote on there. You'll hear us, but you'll never see us. <laughs> and I'm like, Damn. I'm like, you know, that's cute or different, but it, you know, he yeah. Stevie did not want to go out. Yeah, he wanted to just produce songs, whatever. But that's where you know, because we had taken over our production, we had taken over our management. Jeff Dixon had been bought out, and. Um, 
that was our biggest failure, even going back to 1979, 1980, that we only did what we needed to do to record more records. We did not go out and perform, which would have even brought us together more from a, you know, emotional standpoint as far as a band. So that that was that big problem. And as far as what happened, yeah, because there wasn't any, uh, there wasn't enough money. And, you know, you've got some, we knew we could go into the studio and record a hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, that might sound cocky or arrogant, but we knew we could. Yeah, yeah. But we kept doing it over and over. By the time we did Just a Touch, and then we were going into watching you, it was never thought that we could come up with hit songs. And so there was anxiety because people were not eating unless we were yeah. in the studio. So what's your question, Vi? You had a question I about know, them? I from on the list like near Disney, so they, they said they made, but I talk, whatever you listen to say, they made their money tour. That's what their money was at. You made the exactly. money. <laughs> you made your yeah. money touring because when you tour, that also like that's an advertising for your for your album also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said, they said that's yeah. how you so, made your money touring. So all of this animosity came up. I mean, there was a couple nights. It was kind of scary. I mean, some some cats yeah. almost came to blows. We never had an actual you. fist fight. Mm-hmm. Never had, but we had some, you know, some stuff being thrown here and there, and we were all living in one house. Wow. We had rented a house in yeah, Orange, New Jersey. And uh, we knew that something had to happen. <laughs> and so uh, I never forget. And I didn't know the, the day I left mm-hmm. we, and we'd already started recording some stuff with Aura. The day that I left, I didn't know I was leaving. You know, I went over to the um, our business manager's office and certain things was already in place that I didn't know about because everyone knew that I was with Steve Washington. Yeah, you know, yeah. The cat who, you know, me and Stevie vibed a lot. So um, they wanted to go perform, and rightly so. And it wasn't that I didn't want to perform, but yeah, we were over there, and um, I'm not going to say who, but there was someone who took over the management who actually said in front of my um, business manager, I'm not worried about Lockett because I got my boys around him over in Jersey. Mm. Wow. Now, if you're saying that in the office. Yeah. And, um, and no telling what he's saying behind closed doors. And no telling what, what's gonna, what's going to be said when we yeah. in uh, Michigan yeah. or Oklahoma yeah. performing a show. So I immediately yeah. just out of fear, pure fear and common hmm. sense, I'm like, oh, I'm done. And so hmm. I left the, the office not knowing where I was going. But that's when we went back into the studio. Mm-hmm. And um, are you single? Happened. Yeah. Yeah. How long did Laura R stay together? When, when officially? We know what Wikipedia might say, but when was it done? It was actually pretty much done after we did uh, Make Up Your Mind. Okay, that's, uh, that's another, that's, that was big as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was... Um, so two big hits? Two big hits. Mm-hmm. Two, two top 10 R&B hits with Are You Single and Make Up Your Mind. Yeah, yeah. We talked about the past and, you know, a lot of this goes or comes forward to where we are now. 
And one of the things we talked about before, just in pre-interview, was the fact that there's so many, I want to say so many, you tell me how many versions there's so of Slay. There's so many. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, why? But why? Let me tell you exactly what happened. Okay. And some of be honest with you, <clears throat> I even found out something, the guy who was calling me as we were starting this interview. Okay. Podcast. The dude that was calling me there was Charles Cedar Carter. He told me something just a month ago that I really didn't know. Okay, so when the guys left and the only person that stayed was me from Slave, me and Steve Washington, and then we had Starlene Young and Kurt Jones. We were doing Aura. When they left, other things began to come out because now finally you have these guys that are going out for watching you tour, mm -hmm. who finally are going to tour, okay? The manager that they had at the time was making sure that they were going out on tour. You've got Mark Adams, who has become the leader of the band. And come on, it's like it's like any job. Just because you have a manager or a director don't mean that they're the best person for that job. Right, right. So Adams wasn't experienced with being a leader. Adams was a beast. He was he was a bass player. That's what Adams did. Yeah. And yeah. so I wasn't there. I'm not going to go into Adams messed it up because that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that they had a lot of problems also. Arrington, by that time, has established himself as the lead vocalist, and rightfully so. Mm -hmm. By that time, he did all the the lead vocals and he was looking for you know to be embraced yeah, they didn't yeah. embrace him they were like you know we're slave and you're singing vocals and it's like yeah. no you know and so um they began to have turmoil uh but what was the question that you asked me again because I, I got off well, I mean, you know, okay, why are there so many slaves okay. in, like currently yeah. touring? That's oh. that's the big thing because, and, and I'll mention this, uh, and you're not the only band who deals with this. A good friend of the show is Bernadette Cooper from, from Climax. Right. They deal with the same the thing. Huh? Slave is the worst. This is what happened. Really? Because <laughs> that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> okay. So, Drac and Danny, it was, a, it was a clash that I never knew about because I was with Aura. They were bumping heads. There was this clashing. There was, a, 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 you know, they thought Danny was going to be thrown out. And in the end, they got rid of Drac. <laughs> Wild out on the road. Hmm. Drac comes back to Dayton, Ohio. And see, keep in mind, it was actually Drac that put all these pieces together. And only he really knows that. Okay? Yeah. So... When Drac came back to Dayton, it wasn't long before, um, no, put it this way, there was probably a long period of time because, you know, you have to keep in mind that, you know, hip hop had taken over. Yes. You know, there yep. was there was a long period of time where funk, you know, funk groups aren't, you know, funk groups, if nothing else, were not able to go out and perform. Mm -hmm. So by the time it was coming back around, Drac started, he would, contact folks he would go to california he had a he had some guys that he would play with the shows out in california he would go to uh, illinois and how he met these folks i'll never know 
So he would do shows, meet people, and then drag die. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. then you've got like maybe five or ten years later, these folks who have performed with drag, now they take it upon themselves to say, well, we're slave. But the biggest reason why it happened so bad in the last 10 years, we were in a 10, 12 year legal battle internally and with the record company. We were not getting any royalties. We were not getting any publishing royalties. Any. When I say any, I mean none. I That's was getting my checks for two and three cents. So wow. You better call me talking about, we need to fix this. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I got a job. <laughs> I got a job. I'm 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 getting married. I don't I don't want to I don't want you know. Yeah. So, um, Drac was going out and see. I'm not gonna go into you know. I'm not throwing dirt. But Drac was somebody that I knew that I, I tried to do something with Drac. Oh, I couldn't work with Drac because Drac he did things that I just from a business standpoint. No, I can't. No. Okay. So. After Drac passes, some of these groups that he performed with, uh, I can't say how soon they started, uh, but like anything else, you know, when you don't have any money, you come up with ideas. And so uh, from, uh, okay, I've been here in Atlanta just short of 10 years. So two years before me and my wife moved here, we started a, a legal onslaught with Steve Washington because, okay, he had been bought out, which is what he wanted. He had sold all of his um, publishing share, uh, the management and production, all that he had sold, and he was doing other stuff. He was doing rides, he was doing whatever he was doing. And so that's when people started sampling Just a Touch of Love, sampling Watching You, a lot of people don't realize that we get a, a, a decent piece of uh, uh, royalties from Gin and Juice. Gin and Juice, the vocals that they did was was you know part of our flavor. So you know they gave us our credit. You know we never yeah that that rhythm of dun, 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 yeah dun, yeah that's but watching it was, you, it was yeah. really the vocals yeah the, yeah that's what I'm, yeah the uh, yeah so um, that's when we knew. And Steve Washington knew first, you know, that, wait a minute, the group is making money now. We had a 33 and a third share of our publishing. Jenna Juice is one of the biggest records of hip hop all, all time. Massive. Yeah. Okay. In so, movies? <laughs> yeah. All yeah. of that. So yeah. he's already trying to, you know, all of a sudden I'm getting calls from Folks, you know, you know, lock it because they knew that I could convince people to do things. Yeah. So, um, I bring in not knowing that there were still ill intentions. I convinced the guys to re-sign up together and work with Stevie to get our royalties. Then, as soon as we all get signed up. With Stevie, Adams died. Six months later, Drac died. 
And it was just, it was kind of mind-boggling. And then our original co-manager, Astor Val Hackett, came back into the fold and held our hands for 10 straight years and got everything straightened out. We finally got our royalties uh, from uh, Atlantic coming in. And then this past April, he passed. Wow. That was, yeah. ooh, that was a rough one, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Our original manager, Jeff Dixon, was murdered with Peter Tosh. Wow. In 1987, okay? So, the, that's how the fake groups were able to do what they did. So, so it stems from these, In these iterations of Drac going around the country. Primarily Drac. Drac primarily. was the one who did all the shows. And I ain't yeah. mad at him. He was, you know, Drac would call me. I'd be at work. He said, Lock, what's up, man? What's up? T, yeah. T. And I'm like, where you at, man? He's like, man, I'm in Tallahassee. What? I'm like, I was at my job. I was typing on my keyboard, whatever, you know, because I knew I couldn't yeah. deal with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, when we were in this legal battle and Steve Washington had re-trademarked the name Slave, see, we weren't really, I, I didn't care nothing about Slave. I was trying to make sure I had a job. Mm-hmm. And, Feed your family. Feed, yeah, you know, take care of home. Yeah. I was on that mode. And so, and Tim Doge and everybody, everybody was doing what they needed to do. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, he's in re-trademarked the name, but he wasn't going out to do, to do no shows, but he knew, again, remember, Stevie mm-hmm. was ahead of us from day one. Mm-hmm. He, he knew the business and we're just now catching up to really understand but you, you've got a 30, 40 year period of time where we've gone from what we did to now the industry is bringing us money because mm-hmm. you, because they're sampling our music yeah. so he's re-trademarked the name the guys have died and we're in a legal battle with Steve Washington that went on for six, seven, eight years. He's pro se. I mean, the courts gave him break after break after break. We went through three attorneys. One of our attorneys died. Damn. <laughs> what was going on? Okay. Damn. That's a comparison okay. theory right there waiting on you. I mean, it was like, you know, And so, when Adams died, his son, you know, came to me talking about he wanted to take over. I'm like, okay. I mean, at the time, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't think about fooling with this stuff. I was still at my job. I'm like, I don't, you know, I mean, it's not like we're getting ready to go. Our focus was on our business, finally. Hmm. See, we had to get our royalties. I wouldn't even think about, performing was the last thing I was thinking about, okay? Mm-hmm. So, but these other folks that Drake had played with, and then his son, they just, at first, they started saying that their son a slave. Okay, I've but, heard that. I've heard that. Yeah. Yeah. But when the promoter called, and they're trying to sell another two or 3,000 tickets, mm-hmm. now son of slave becomes slave. Yeah. Yeah. Did they officially, because... If if I'm correct on this, uh, original members had the opportunity 
to branch off and do their own thing using the name most of them do? Well, I mean, the thing is with us, you have to keep in mind, the folks who probably could have or should have had died. Had died, yeah. Right. Okay. So did he will it to him? By chance? No, no, no. Well, put it, this, put it this way. Stevie had retrained the Mark Slave. Okay. And whatever they did, they did. And to be honest with you, when they were doing it, I didn't care. Okay. I was, still I, was I had to focus on getting our business together. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't about going out and performing. It was about, uh, at the time, we thought we might uh, be owed as much as about a million dollars. Mm. Going all the way back. We were focused on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we knew that Stevie had retrademarked the name. I'm not thinking about going out. I mean, the, the, I'm not trying to fight with him about the name. Mm -hmm. We were in a legal, I mean, we were in a, a legal battle with him. And finally, because of all the shenanigans, um, Warner's Atlantic, he was also suing them or however that went. And so Warner's finally shutting down with prejudice, meaning he can't come back to us. He can't go back to Atlantic because he had done some other stuff. And it was like, okay, that was just shut down. So he still had about a year or so left on his trademark. Mm -hmm. So the night, hallelujah, the night that his trademark expired, we filed. Okay? Mm -hmm. So it was about, only about six, seven months ago that we got the final, you know, approval that we now rightfully own the name Slave. Good for y'all. Let me give it up. Yes. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And if you don't play yeah. some of this part in the podcast, please yeah. play this part. Okay. All of you people who are out here performing as slave, my name is Thomas Henry Lockett Jr., a.k.a. T.L., and whenever you show up somewhere, I am papering the promoter. I am papering everything that's in the city. I am attacking it through Facebook. I am stopping it. And not because I am vindictive, but because you sound like crap. Yeah. And that's it the group's legacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would even be different if some of these people sounded decent. I wouldn't hire them at the Holiday Inn. <laughs> oh, damn. These people have never performed on any of the records. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't I don't even, I don't know these people. I've never seen yeah. these people. And you're telling people that you're me. Yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. I mean, get a job, okay? So <laughs> the thing is, now I'm gonna digress. I'm past the anger. Cause see, we have control. Okay? We have control. And it is the promoters that are making it happen. And I'm not I'm not even mad at the promoters because we weren't, you know, able to truly fight it because we didn't have the name. You know, you can't call a promoter or, or, or send a letter and say, you got to stop it and we don't own the name. But since we have retained the legal 100% right to the name and we have a desire to show our fans, because this, this is the other thing that kind of got me. Believe it or not, I stopped listening to our music. I can't wow. listen to our music. Over the last three to four or five months even, I really started listening back to it. And now I understand why the fans, the fans that we have, 
are so raving because we did some stuff. It's good stuff, man. It is classic. As a body of work, yeah, we did some stuff, okay, which is why even they're caught up. You know, maybe they, you know, but see, some of these folks that are doing it, okay, uh, Mark's son, he was one years old when we recorded Sly. Yeah. Why are you out here? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it would be different yeah. if he had actually been calling himself really becoming a bass player. Yeah. No. It's, no. it's a disservice to people who pay, especially in Vi. You go to a lot of these, we call them Funk Fest, where you've got mm-hmm. um, a list of groups from the uh, from the late 70s, 80s, or 80s. And, and you go in and you say, what is this? You know, it's, and speaking of, let's say right now, at this very moment, and, and I'm not asking you to be accurate. How many iterations of three. the group? There are three right now that exist. Three. Okay. Three. There's one. There's one in California. The only thing I say about the, the situation in California, the gentleman who's heading it up, he did perform on one of the songs on one of the albums that I wasn't a part of. He's and he's from Dayton. I'm not going to say his name. I, you know. I, okay. I got you. He went overseas <clears throat> with them at one point. I never went out the country with the guys. Mm-hmm. So I give him that much. But all these other folks, mm-hmm. th- this other group in Dayton, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. Uh, never performed, n- never was in the same state when we recorded what we recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay? Yeah. Uh, the, the situation in Chicago. <laughs> And I actually called this guy one night, the way I'm acting now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was about one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I called this dude up through FaceTime. He uh through um, you know, through the Facebook thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He answers the Messenger, phone. Messenger, yeah. He mm-hmm. answered the phone. He was like, Hey man, how you doing? I'm like, that kind of threw me off. I'm like, You wanna talk to me and you're ripping me off? <laughs> and so I don't think we had a good uh-huh. connection. So I said, Well, call me back. He gave me his number. I gave him my number. I think I called him. He said, how you doing? Tom Lockett, how you doing? And I'm going, okay. And I immediately said, I'm not doing well because of MFs like you. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, what do you mean? And now I'm I'm really perplexed because he's asking me, what do I mean? And I said, you're out here acting like you're slave. No, 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 it ain't like that. It ain't like that. And I'm saying, what is it like? He said, oh, I bought the name from Steve Washington. Oh wow! <laughs> so so let me let me ask you this, and and Tanya B Tanya B and I had a conversation about this. Uh, and Tanya B is, has been in the industry for a while, and and she, as a matter of fact, introduced me to Bernadette Cooper from Climax, and she said, you know, why don't y'all get together collectively? So a lot of the original bands, um, like a Climax, or you know, she she was uh, very close to uh, William Pooji Hart. Uh, from the you know Delphonics and you know they had some battles similar to this where they had to shut people down. Why don't y'all get together collectively and just form a coalition and just say you know the original artist coalition? <laughs> you know why, why not? I, I know I know why. Personally, I want to say why, but why not? Let me say this. Okay. Um, Slade is returning, mm-hmm. and. It's not being done lightly. There is no rush, but it's definitely going to be 2024. Mm-hmm. There are certain things about Slave that have to be 
emulate it. Because yeah. obviously, Drax is not there. Adams is not there. Um, I haven't had too much communication with Steve Arrington. We, we've never had hey, Stop there for a minute. Is Arrington doing anything secular at the moment? Yes. He had been back out doing um, shows. Uh, he hasn't been out lately. I don't know why. And, and again, I haven't talked I haven't spoke with, you know, Steve. People's looks transform and their sound transform. Yeah. Now, they don't yeah. always keep it. So, well, I mean, the thing is, the, the biggest reality with uh, any group, mm-hmm. even the great groups who have steadily performed throughout their entire career, you know, cats get older. Yeah. And, you know, for what I'm trying to do, what mm-hmm. we're trying to do, the, the members who are still left functioning for the day-to-day function um, is me, Floyd Miller, the other uh, horn player, trombone player, percussionist who's, who did, you know, lead vocals, and Ray Turner. We're the only ones who are still involved from a day-to-day function. Mm-hmm. Um, two of the other cats uh, have been bought out they're no longer involved and something that the most of our music community does not know and is and is, is sad that I just found out about two or three months ago that Carter Bradley passed hmm. no one knew no one knew Carter was very private um, and you know so um, so it's you and it's me Floyd and Ray Turner yeah. Okay. And, um, and and really, in in all, in all fairness, Arrington went solo, so he's, solo. he's he's out as he's out as Steve Arrington. Steve Arrington, and at first right. the Hall of Fame thing where they did weak the knees and all that, and then he left that and totally went solo. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, some of the or folks, there's always a possibility, you know, because you know I, I speak here and there with you know um, Kurt Jones. Great guy, great vocalist, great guitarist, good people. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. We're still in the, the, the final building uh, stages of what this first iteration is going to be. But I will say this. Mm-hmm. Not only will it, uh, even to a certain degree, look like Slave, mm-hmm. it's going to sound like Slave. I am not, yeah. I am not so gung-ho that I just want to go out and play and be like the wannabes. That's what I call them, the wannabe slaves. Yeah. But if it doesn't sound like slave, which means you have to have a bass player. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You have a bass player. Yeah, that bass line was if signature. You don't have a bass player. Yeah, signature, man. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have them drums. Yeah. Arrington, the thing yeah. that Arrington brought in on starting on the third album throughout. Yeah, he didn't yeah, do yeah. a whole bunch of stuff. He was just—it was just a lock. Yeah, would free Mark Adams up to do all the stuff that he was doing. Cause Slave was more what, and it was four on the floor. Yes, yes, yeah. most so, of it. Um, the fake groups happened because we were getting our business in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. People that, wanted the presence out there among the void. Yes, you know, they yeah. took advantage of, and, and, and to this very second, I'm not going to regret making sure that we get our business in order because 
20 years from now, monies that are coming to me can go to my grandchildren, to my daughter, to my grandchildren. I mean, yeah. it yeah. is very important, which, you know, you know, I've heard some people say, well, why would y'all, why would, if you have not done what you, just like, okay, everything that you guys have done, I haven't done. Hmm. I can't step into your shoes and just do what you're doing right now because you've been doing this and iterations of it for decades. Right, right. I can't do, I can't just do what you do. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, um, actually I'm looking forward to it because, uh, you know, I have my cease and desist ready for them. <laughs> you got it too. Hey, hey, so, hey. The cease know, and desist. You know, and like, I mean, you know, I, you, never miss. I see these guys taking pictures, you know, they got their slave t shirts on. I'm going, you have as, no hey, shame. As someone as a, a recipient yeah. of a few, few cease and desist. I remember the last time I did the slave show. It is real. Good. Long time ago, and I would see people in the audience. They have the slave albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. they look down, especially the first album. Yeah. They look down. They look up. I can just see somebody now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't see none of these. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, you know, let, let me let me say this, and and definitely without a doubt, I'm glad you guys have it together, man. And and one of the things when we finished our conversation, you sent me a track, and I want to play the track. Uh, play. I'm not gonna play the whole track, but a little bit of of the track, and and I, I will tell you, I was shocked when I heard it, and 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 not shocked because in life you were shocked. Tell the truth. You hear bands, you know, you hear, uh, you know. I think I, I have a lot of respect. I mean, Bernadette Cooper has really stayed connected to the current sound, but not every group that's been around for 20, 30, 45 years stays connected to the current sound or maintain. Right. Or maintain, but in terms <laughs> of just knowing what might hit with a different audience, mm -hmm. you know, this is connected. So I'm, I'm gonna play it, and I want, I want you to, you know, come back to a little bit, a little bit more about it. Um, here we go. You know, when I first played that, first of all, let me let me let me give you some some love on that. Oh yeah. But when I when I first heard it, I said, "Damn, is that Frank Ocean?" Because <laughs> I was, like, yeah. You know, and 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 I don't mean that as you know an imitator, but it's it, it's it's in the it's in the feel of R and B. I call Neo's it kind though. of all, all, yeah, Neo, or alternative or alt R and B, not. Right. Not in a niche, 
but it's just I heard it. I said, damn, that's like Frank Ocean. So, you know, it, it, it I was I was like, damn, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I thought I thought I was gonna hear some you know, so uh, you know Well we still got uh, some of that. We still got some of that, but Yeah, yeah, but but I don't I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I'm just saying when I heard it, I said this is contemporary. And yeah. You know, old school has an old school lane, like you said. Last four months, you go back and listen, and you know why we're rabbit fans because that's it's yeah. good. A lot of it can't be duplicated. You know, oh, no. it, it can be it can, but because of the experience. But but right. when I heard this, talk about this song, man. Okay, so understand that I really started getting into trying to record, produce, going back about twenty years ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to pretend that I am this great producer or whatever, but mm -hmm. I use the tools that are available to all writers and producers now. I use the same tools. Yeah, now, yeah. vocalists, you know, you, you, you're listening to the music, but the vocalist is really the person who brought this track to life. Yeah. And this is a young man that I first started working with mixing some other stuff that I was doing. And I'm sitting there, he's just, you know, I mean, this dude, I seen him mix two tracks that I did. Each track, he mixed in two hours. Wow. I'm sitting there wow. going, you know, things have changed, right? And this isn't the completed version of it. You sent no, it just this is not the, the podcast. Version. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, I mean, I, I was impressed. I mean, I, I, list, I listened to it a couple of times, Yeah. you know, and and uh, why would you think? Well, I love First it. time here. Yeah. Yeah, and I, mean, I thought like I, I thought like that that what well, I call it the neo soul flavor that that Badoo. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And and but, I can't take credit for what he did. I mean, I sent him the track. Yeah. He sent me the track sounding like that. I'm like, um, I said, uh, let's get you signed up. Let's working on some stuff. He's a he's a he's a great young man. Yeah. Um, What's his name? What's his name again? He goes by Muse. Muse. Okay. Muse. M U. S dollar sign E. Okay. And uh, he's a you know great young man. Um, we've got two, three other tracks, two other tracks that he's uh, also completed for me. We're yeah. working on an EP, and you know, COVID and a lot of things kind of you know interrupted mm -hmm. things. But uh, we're going to see him. We're going to see uh, some 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 other situations. Slave to me never really had that bomb ballad. Yeah, Has so true. Those songs, but mm. now, now this is what's interesting. You, you bring up just a touch. You will not see my name on the credits as a writer, but I wrote the lyrics and the change of just a touch and wow. and sang the background part. Wow. Uh, Stevie wasn't there. Steve Washington did come over, but he did the credits. Now, mm. the blessing is, is I'm getting my royalties because I made sure that you know BMI and so forth you know got that straight mm. but the Just a Touch of Love when they put it out I'll be honest with you I was like because yeah. I was the same way I was like you know this is this is soft this is whatever but that's when New York started playing Slave it, it's a very because you got to keep in mind where New York was at the time 
you know, where BLS Kiss and, and that yeah. New York sound, you know, I, I can't even, because you, you mentioned change. I mean, change, well, Italian, the, the cork, they, they came out of Italy. Yes. And, and a lot of that sound, it was a smooth New York, you know, you're Frankie Crocker, you, you know, you had all these cats who loved that smooth R&B. Yeah. You had D-Train, you had all these. So, yeah, I mean, but, but yeah, Touch of Love was just like. And then we're watching you. Because, because see, I'm from this, you know, originally from the South. The South and Dayton, we were funk. We were like, you know, right. I have, I have friends and, and real quick, quick story. I mean, I would, you know, we would do these old school radio. We do an old school radio segment. And and I work with somebody from New York, and I would and, and I'm like, okay, we're gonna load up on some Clinton, we're gonna load up on some Slave. We go, no, 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 we ain't gonna play that funk. <laughs> so like, so I hear what you say. It's a different taste. Yeah, the South, the South was funk. Yeah, we were about and that funk. To this day, you know, I mean, I live here in you know Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still hear us on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. South is about the funk, man. You know, and and um, I just you know because I'm I'm finally you know trying to you know lead the situation back to you yeah. know some prominence. Um, I'm on Facebook and I'm I'm seeing our fans and it's like these folks act like we just put Slide out last week. I mean, <laughs> because even Slide people still get on the floor at weddings. At events, you throw slide on. It's like that's oh, part yeah. of the whole line dance. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, I think I mentioned t this to you about twelve, yeah, yeah, yeah. thirteen, no, about fifteen years ago. Me and my wife went to um, Black Expo, yeah, yeah, in, in Indianapolis, and I'm sitting there, and you know, I must admit, I can't look at award shows and all that. I don't, yeah. Jealousy or play, whatever. Just I just ew, but I'm at the show and I'm having a good time. I had me, you know, a little, you know, whatever I had, a little drink. Yeah. And Confunction was performing. Oh yeah. And, Definitely. Another funk band. Yeah. And yep. they went into a medley, and dude, he rubbed into slide, <laughs> and it was like, I mean, it, it was it was one of those perfect 85 degree days. Yeah. And when he came off of that slide, boom. The whole place, it was just like, everybody just was like, oh, God. That's when people started floating toward the ceiling. <laughs> it was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, there was yeah. a guy that was sitting next Before to my wife. Yeah. And he looked over at me, and yeah. he was like, I was like. <laughs> let it go, he let knew, it go. You know, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. like, man, look, what yeah. I know is yeah. professional musicians I'm not saying they can duplicate, but come on, man. You can go to a show and somebody that you've never seen before can actually make the OJs yeah, sound like yeah. the OJs. Yeah, yeah, so true. But it's something so that true. takes, you know, musicians and the study of, I mean, and, and obviously Mark Adams' vibe has to be pretty much duplicated. You yeah. can't do slave. You can't do just a touch of love watching you slide without somebody who's playing it the way Mark played it. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can't do that. And that was the other thing that was uh, very important that Steve Washington did. He made sure that Mark had a different sound, not only live, the, 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 the little bit that we were out, but, we, but when we went into the studio, that was something that was gone over and perfected as far as Adams' sound. And by the time we did uh, Stone Jam, 
and mm. left and they went into Showtime, Adams was just, you know, he was a legend. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, true. But, um, so true. Uh, and you know, I, I always had my airbase. So <laughs> airbase everywhere, airbase in the car, and 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 y'all made it easy for me. So yeah, well, you know, um, yeah. I love the fact that people still love the music. Um, I've had, um, and I knew that when I started trying to push um, social media wise, I knew that I was gonna get some kickback. But there's only been one or two people who said, "Well, you know, why would you do this? It's too late." It's like, no, no. Yeah. Uh, who thought that we were going to do what we did when we were 15, 16 years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've lived long enough to know that if you do the right things mm-hmm. and you don't rush things, you yeah. put things together right, oh, we can make this happen. And it's not just for the money. No, yeah. this is to, I mean, Jesus Christ, the name of the band is Slay. And let's <laughs> clear something up there. We originally called ourselves Congress. <clears throat> and everybody's wow. like, Congress. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna hate that, <laughs> like they hate it today. Yeah. <laughs> I keep up. We're like 15, 16 years old, right? Oh yeah, we yeah, just yeah. Gotta come up with something, and then Floyd Miller, civics class. Yeah, you know, yeah. came into you know he, he came to rehearsal, and back in the day, you've probably seen him where you had mm, yeah T-shirt that says "slave" on the front and "master" on the back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I forget which one was which. I, I don't know if it was master on the front, slave on the back. But mm-hmm. he came to rehearsal, and we we're all like, "Slave." Yeah. We never had any kickback from the record company. Probably throughout this whole forty-some year history of this group being in existence. There's only been one or two people that even asked me why they call it slave, which is to me that's kind of different. I would think that some people would be like, well, "Why would you call yourself slave?" But the thing is, slaves kind of built this country. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. that's why I am hell bent on eliminating this fraud that's going on for the right reason. It's not a money grab. Mm-hmm. If we make some money, okay, fine. If we if we can't make money from it, who is supposed to? Yeah. But but the primary reason is to clean up the legacy of what we did and stop it from moving forward. Because and I want to apologize personally to everyone who has gone to a show thinking that you were going to see Slave and you seen some cats that played with Drac a few times. Yeah. I apologize. Yeah. And I promise you, as, as, as life is still in my body, I'm going to make it right. And to the promoters, I'm not mad at the promoters. If they're, you know, business people, they knew that they were trying to sell tickets, okay? But I'm telling you, I'm going to stop what they're doing. And I have to do it through you because you're the one booking them. Yeah. But I'm giving you the alternative of saying you can book us, okay? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not mad at anybody. I understand business, you know, where, yeah. where there's no business, there's nothing. So I'm just here just to make sure that um, the wrong has been righted, even for, you know, Draken Adams. I mean, to hear people go out and butcher what they did, butcher, I owe it to them. I owe it to their children. I owe it to their grandchildren to make sure that the legacy of what we did is preserved and even, um, I won't say improved, but at least respected and dealt with accordingly. 
Good stuff, man. Let me give it up to you. Uh, Thomas Lockett, Thomas T.L. Lockett, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And big shout out to uh, K-Dub, definitely Keith Wimberly, uh, for for hooking us up, man. We go way back as well. And uh, hey, man, you know, whenever, keep us up to date on what the band's doing. And and uh, let us know when, when you guys finally um, get the final version of Obsession as well. Um, you know, definitely, you know. I'm we'll, going to definitely we'll, send it to you. Yeah, and, we'll and, let uh, the crowd, let our folks know. We live yeah. too close. I'm about to come over to your house. Come on over, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I would we'll shut it down. We'll shut it down. I would definitely keep you posted. And I appreciate yeah. you giving me this platform to yeah. share. And uh, I promise you, I'm not going to let. Yeah. Slave down. See, this isn't about me personally. Absolutely. I'm not going to let slave down. Uh, yeah, there's going to be some some folks that's going to come back in uh, to do some stuff. I can't speak for them. I can only speak for what I'm going to do. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be something that's going to be appreciated by all the slave and Aura and um, Arrington fans. All all the fans who have uh, backed us yeah. and been true. Uh, just like this project right here. This was uh, the greatest hits to be put out, the, the, the Red Album thing. And so, wow. um, and and I'll, I'll man, send me a picture of that. I I, I want to definitely make sure shoot a shot send it for social media as yeah, well. So you know, nice, nice, nice. We've had like yeah. three or four, you know, greatest hits uh, projects yeah. that have come out, and um, it's just about making sure that we preserve our legacy. Yeah, and what a legacy, man! I got it. Again, y'all give it up for the one and only Thomas T.L. Lockett. Dayton Zone. Dayton Man. Zone. Man, that funk legacy out of Dayton. That's another podcast. <laughs> there you go. I'll be hey, that, I know you will, man. I appreciate you, man. Thank you so much. And and uh, and, and you're always welcome. You're a friend of the show. Definitely just reach out. Let me know. Okay? I appreciate it. You take care now. All right. Hey, and uh, if you definitely y'all hit us up, go to castropolis.net, go to uh, or, or go to our social media. Love to hear your feedback. Uh, you can leave uh, voicemail uh, feedback. Definitely. I'll play it on the next episode. Uh, definitely. Without a doubt. Uh, and we went a little long on this episode, but but it was worth it. Um, it was worth it. And, and TL again. Thank you. Vi. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate you, Vi. Yes. <laughs> Country commentator. Because we were funk, we're funketeers, man. We're funketeers. We, 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 you know, the funketeers. definitely today. From from the south, I'm telling you, man. The south is about that funk. So definitely, we know, definitely. keep doing what you're doing. All definitely. Right. All right, appreciate you, Thomas. All right, we'll take be care, guys. We'll, we'll be back with the tea with Tanya B after this, y'all. Appreciate you. Thanks. All right, bye bye.
Yes, it's tea time, children. Your girl, Tiny B, has been sipping her own tea, getting over this bronchitis. But now it's time to jump right into these GT headlines. This week, we lost a few folks. Dexter Scott King, the youngest son of Martin Luther King Jr., after a three-year battle with prostate cancer. Singer Marlena Shaw, go away, little boy. You know the song. It's an anthem for women of color. Lost her at age 81. We also lost an unsung Olympic judo champ, Marisette Espinosa died at the age of 34. Listen up, young girls. A heart attack caused by complications of plastic surgery. Still praying for Snoop Dogg and his family as his daughter recovers from a stroke and some kidney issues that she's battling. Rest in peace to not a person, not a place, but a thing. The legendary magazine Sports Illustrated will be no more. Shout out to Uncle Charlie Wilson celebrating a birthday. And on Monday, he'll get his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, who paid that 75 grand. Uh, last week, it was uh, Uncle Dr. Funkenstein, Uncle Funk, uh, George Clinton. And did you know, Tommy B., that Eddie Murphy is doing a documentary on George Clinton coming to Amazon Prime? Everybody's still talking about Cat Williams on Club Shay Shay. 50 million people have seen this video. I am not one of them. But Dave Chappelle came out and said, Cat stole a thunder from my Netflix special. Mike Epps, everybody, comedians we never heard of talking about this. But the comedian Earthquake, who claimed that Cat Williams can't read, did come back, pedal. Then there's a former writer for Cat Williams claiming that he physically abuses women. Ooh, ooh. 2024, the year of Coleman Domingo. He's up for an Oscar for his role as Bayard Rustin. He's got an Emmy from Euphoria. He's conquered the Broadway stage. We're hearing that he may be replacing Jonathan Majors in the Marvel Universe. And he signed on for two major roles, one to play Joe Jackson, dad of Michael Jackson, in the upcoming 2025 biopic, where Jermaine's son Jafar plays his late uncle, and Coleman Domingo's also directing and starring in a biopic on the late great Nat King Cole. Dumb Donkeys of the Week, Tristan Thompson, suspended for 25 games by the NBA, again this time for performance-enhancing drugs. CBJ, always a hot mess. Jocelyn Hernandez, Faith Evans, sold Faith's car, trying to take her money. And now some old dumb young girl, I said dumb donkey, he got me pregnant and dumped me. He might be doing you a favor. The happiest person of all, Faith Evans. I mean, Faith Evans, Lord Jesus, before Faith, there was Eve. Remember Eve and CBJ? Mm-hmm. The Luther Vandross documentary, Never Too Much, made a huge, successful debut at the Sundance Film Festival last week. And I'm telling you right now, it is everything like the musical legacy that Luther Vandross left us. I'm telling you right now, it is everything. Now, what I'm going to need y'all to stop doing is trying to blame Taraji P. Henson for the poor performance at the box office for the Color Purple movie musical. Yes, it cost $100 million. Yes, Oprah was at the helm. Does not guarantee success. If you remember, Tommy B., when Oprah was in the Color Purple back in the 80s, it did not do well in the box office either. And I think sometimes folks just don't want to see those types of films in the movie. That's why it's on video on demand right now. I gotta say five arms to Kelly Rowland. The moonlight is shining on this Destiny's Child. You know, she's got the lead role in the new Tyler Perry movie called Mia Culpa. Uh, it comes on Netflix February 23rd. She pay, plays an attorney with this hypnotizing and very well built <laughs> client. She has to decide is he guilty or innocent. She getting that Tyler Perry bag. I'm not mad at her. And honestly, Personally, I prefer Kelly's acting to Beyonce's acting. Go ahead, Kelly. Don't forget, on February 3rd, the three-part docuseries comes to Peacock. It's called The Kings of Queens, the story of Run DMC. Should be more than three episodes, but we just got to give them their dap because they are true hip-hop 
royalty. Gotta say five on it too. Uh, Atlanta hip hop legend and actor Ludacris. He's developing a new TV show for BET Plus. It's a half hour dramedy. I guess some serious, some not. But it's inspired by his early days in the Atlanta music scene where, as I know, and you too probably, Tommy B, he was a well-known radio DJ, Chris Lover Lover. Now, he's still been touring here and there. He was out earlier uh, last year opening up for Janet Jackson. But he's really making big moves on the big and the small screen. He's got the peanut butter commercial. He's got the State Farm commercial. Of course, Karma's World on Netflix. And he's got that Fast and Furious franchise. I am not mad at Ludacris at all. How can you be? He's doing the doggone thing. I also want to let you know about this. It's, uh, eh, I don't know. Well, anyway, you decide if you think it matters or not. But why is it when high-profile folks split up, they got to start talking? Now, Shawnee O'Neal, Shaq's ex-wife, is talking. She's got a book coming out in May called Undefeated. Yeah, we know she started Basketball Wives. Yeah, we know, maybe before she knew how Shaq was cheating on her. But now here comes some no-name rapper called Loose Cannon. Does he know Nick Cannon? Talking about Shawnee was spending her child support money on him. Go over there, sit in the corner, fold the laundry with the rest of them fools. That's all I got. I ain't got no more. It's your girl, Tanya B, and I'm back sipping this GT. Don't forget, check us out each and every day on Instagram. Um, check the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, and share. And don't forget, the bird wire comes to you on demand 24-7. All right, Tommy B. Back to you. Big thanks to our guest from Slave, Thomas Lockett. Uh, like his page on Facebook at R&B Band Slave. That's R&B Band Slave. Also, thanks to Syracuse Mike, Tanya B. Vi, Tlaib, author and political analyst Harold Michael Harvey. Also, thanks to the crew, man, Millennial Nick, Lady J, Regia, music by K-Dub, all those who help us make it happen each and every week. And don't forget, y'all, the links are in our social media bio, or you can just go to castropolis.net all the episodes are there share us with a friend y'all don't cost you nothing our 200th episode long sleeve tea is still on the website proceeds support the podcast subscribe y'all turn on notifications and with that episode 210 is in the can have a great week y'all peace and power to the people You've been listening to This is the G Podcast. This is the G Podcast is a production of the Castropolis Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.